episode 42 of Role Play Grow, the podcast for tabletop entrepreneurs, creators, and fans. I am Courtney Stover of Lighthearted Adventures, and in this podcast, we talk to the creators behind the brands and the tabletop roleplay gaming space about who they are and how they are turning their passion for gaming into a career. Today's guest is Amani, the founder of Margaret Cutter Development. Amani is an indie game developer making some truly fun and pretty niche games. I really loved diving into the stories behind a lot of these games, learning about her processes and some upcoming projects they are working on this year. Imani is a lot of fun, so I hope you enjoy listening to them. Again, this episode was recorded back in October. It was originally intended to air in January, but as y'all know, if you've been around for a little while, I just had some setbacks, so It's taken a bit longer to get this out than I wanted it to, but I'm glad that y'all finally get to hear from Amani. I also have a couple of business updates for you all today. The first is to announce that after some feedback about our Lightheart Adventures Patreon being a bit confusing with trying to combine things, I decided to split Roleplay Grow off into its own separate Patreon, and I just launched it this week. This will allow posts to be more streamlined and hopefully a bit less confusing. So if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash roleplaygrow and you'll find a tier as low as $3 a month. Perks include having early access to the guest list, being able to add your questions to upcoming interviews, behind the scenes content, the occasional blooper and shout outs on my website and the show. I would love if you'd just go check it out and help me work towards some goals. Like, I am getting to a point that I need to hire an editor to help me keep up with episodes so that we don't get behind again. Editors tend to start at around 50 bucks per hour's worth of audio content to edit. So we're looking at at least 200 bucks a month just for the editor, which doesn't even include the other costs associated with producing a podcast. So either way, I hope that you'll check it out. Maybe help me work towards that goal. I've got a few more up my sleeve uh, once we get to that stage. But yeah, I'm really excited to have a Patreon that is specific to Roleplay Girl and to help me connect with you and work towards making this podcast even better. The other small update is that I have switched my Twitter handle slightly to be more aligned with this show. If you're already following me, not a big deal unless you're trying to tag me in something and you realize maybe you'll get a little bit confused. But if you are not following me, you can now find me at Ketra RPG. That is K-E-T-R-A-R-P-G. Lastly, another way that you can help support the show is by checking out our affiliates. Like the creator behind some of our favorite dice, Dice Envy. They offer gorgeous dice and a variety of materials, including wood, metal, stone, resin, Go to DiceEnvy.com, and when you check out, if you enter code LIGHTHEART, A-D-V, you'll get 10% off your order, get some snazzy dice, and help me keep the show running. All right, I know that was a lot, but that's all for now, so please sit back and enjoy this conversation with Imani. It is time to welcome today's guest, Amani, the founder of Margaret Catter Development. Hello, Amani. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yes, I am so excited to get to chat with you and learn all about what you do. According to certain people on the internet, um, and they are incorrect, the answer as to what I do is too goddamn much. Um, (laughs) But 
it's not my fault. I, I, it's not my fault. <laughs> I love it. Well, please tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into gaming. I mean, I got into gaming because my grandparents defied my parents and bought us a Super NES when I was a very small child. And it was just, it was, I was down that hole and I never left since like whenever Super, Super NES came out. I don't even know what year that was. Though surprisingly enough, as a child, I didn't play that many games. I think the first, for the most part, I watched my brother and or cousin play games because I am the youngest in that like section of children. Um, so I, I did a lot of backseat gaming as a kid and a lot of reading the rule book, the, the, the guidebook that they used to print. So that's how I got into gaming was watching other people play games because I wasn't good enough to do things because older siblings are mean. <laughs> but that's like the long history of gaming, like way back when in the beginning. Or do you, do you mean the more recent history of how I got into like tabletop games? I mean... Both. I guess, like, how did uh, the NES turn into tabletop? I am... It, it didn't. That's the thing. It's oddly enough two wildly separate things in my head for, like, for years. I, like, I am old enough to remember a time before the internet. Let's put it that way. And I will say the only game I can officially say that I am 100% sure that I've ever beaten in my life is Pokemon Crystal. So I'm not like, like I'm, I, I refer to myself as a filthy casual when it comes to gaming. I don't, like I start things. I start things and I play with things. And like I pick them up and put them down. And one of the things that I start and pick up is writing. Like my entire life, like pretty much since the get go, I liked writing. And so writing, like I was interested in the story for games, not necessarily the actual gameplay part of things. So for years, it was just like, I'm going to, I don't actually need to play any of these games. I just want to read the, I just want to read the novelization. I just want to like watch someone else play the game so I can get the story. Give me the cutscenes and the dialogue boxes type thing for years, like literally years, which is how I got into like the visual novel side of things. Because it's like, look, there's no game, there's no like gameplay mechanics. It's just like read the text and pick what you want to happen. It's great. But for tabletop games, I am regular attendee of Dragon Con in Atlanta, which if no one knows who Dragon Con is, it is a nerd Mardi Gras in downtown Atlanta on Labor Day weekend. It's hot as fuck. Constantly, and it's horrible. It's like, like a, a ridiculous crush of people in a very small space for Atlanta. Um, it takes place originally over three hotels. I've now expanded to like five or six hotels, but it's still a lot of people in a very small space, on top of it being Labor Day weekend and being hot. And so one year, like Five or six years ago, I think it was, I was really hot and I was like, I need to sit down for like an hour and do nothing, but they don't let you sit places because they don't want people like blocking traffic. So I'd like find someplace to go and I ended up in the 24 hour gaming hall. And the 24 hour gaming hall is exactly what it sounds like. They're open 24 hours a day and they have like everything from like DDR machines that people like bring to Atlanta from like wherever they are in the country to like tabletop games. And so while I was sitting in the hallway, like basking in the air conditioner, someone said, Hey, do you have like an hour to play a game? And I went, what game? And they pitched D and D adventure league to me. And that's how, that's how I got into tabletop gaming. Um, where someone was literally like, I was literally just sitting somewhere and some, like I was hot. I was hot and I was like, sure, you know what, this, you know what, I'm like, I can spend an hour like doing nothing. I like stories. I, I like telling stories. I like writing. Sure, I'll play a collective role playing game with someone else, with other people that I don't know. And then I went, you know what, I don't really like D&D. &D. Do you have something that's like more math? 
And they went, go talk to the people over there. They have this thing called Pathfinder. It's basically like our weird stepchild that like ran away from home and like dyed their hair red and pretend that they don't know us. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I started playing Pathfinder and it was just like, I'm never going, I'm, I, I live here now. This is my home. <laughs> I went from, I think the first year, like the first year I played like a couple games, like I maybe three or four games. And then the next year, I want to say I spent the entire convention splitting my time between playing D and D games at every open slot I could get into and the writer track, which is what I usually do when I go to Dragon Con. They have like a whole sci-fi fantasy writing section that I just like nerd out and be writer people things. So it's like a combination of my two favorite things, storytelling and games. Like, well, storytelling that involves games, I guess. And then it just got progressively worse from there. That is amazing. I love that it started with basically, I will do anything if I get this air conditioning to, I need more math. <laughs> it, it was like, well, because like, it's like, what D&D? It's not me like, like ragging on D&D. It's just like, <laughs> I, I, when I make, I like character creation. Like I play the Sims. Like I, that was one of the few games I played like on a regular, I played Sims one through Whenever they're up to four now, I said EA has gotten so much goddamn money from me with expansion packs that I already own. But oh no, this is the version three, so I have to buy the new version of Seasons, even though I bought it twice before in one and two. I like character creation. I like making characters, and I felt that when I was playing D anD D, I needed more character. Like I needed, I need, I wanted to make more detailed, specific characters and like do weird, nitty gritty things that didn't really weren't really doable in like adventure league D D because they roll by like the rules as written, not homebrewing anything. And rules as written for Pathfinder and Pathfinder Society are like a lot more expansive and crunchier. Just because they've been doing it longer than five E, I think. Yeah, no, three point five is obviously older than five E, so Yeah, that's amazing. How long ago is this? It's been like less than 10 years, but I went from playing air conditioner to playing every game I could to then setting up Pathfinder Society in New York City, where I'm originally from, because apparently there's no Pathfinder Society in New York City. Shock and surprise. Like, there's like no officially run Pathfinder Society in New York City, I guess is a better way to put that statement, which I find baffling, but also not at the same time. So Pathfinder Society is the official the official play society for Pathfinder the, for 1E and 2E, I guess. And so it's where you can play the same character at any location that has Pathfinder Society. So my character that I was playing at Pathfinder and Dragon Con, I can then play at Pathfinder in like Momocon or Pax Unplugged or like Origins. Like they give you a digital passport of the games that you've played and the, and like the information about your character. It, it travels with you. And for some odd reason, New York City did not have a Pathfinder Society, like, location, person doing it. The closest one was in Jersey City, and I'm not going to Jersey. So I just said I'm going to do it myself. So I did. That's really cool. That's literally, that's how most things I end up doing is I'm just going to, it becomes, I want this thing. No one's done the thing. I'll do it myself. But yeah. And then I moved to California. And then COVID happened. As it does. So at what point did you start writing your own games? So at some point, I ended up on TGRPG Twitter. And I did the thing where, like, I followed a bunch of, like, random people who looked interesting. And so someone mentioned that they were running a game jam called Tropes Jam. And in my heart, I love a good trope. I love a good, like, dancing in the stress. I literally could open the TV Tropes page and find that thing because it's you're literally that definition. I love it. I think it's great. And so... The person who ran who ran that jam is POC and TTRPGs, and they basically bullied me into doing it. They're like, you can do it. You have time. It's fine. It's not that hard. And I went, challenge accepted. 
and I wrote my first game, Hot Off the Press, which is a game in which the TV trip I picked was like Newshound, which is basically like your Lois Lane, your Veronica Mars, your the Snoopy kids that like write about the journalist journalist integrity, Nancy Drew, those sorts of things. They all like fall into that like child detective sticking your nose in mysteries that no one really asked you for a thing. And so I wrote a game where you get to play one of those kids. And then I went, let's make it better by making more, let's put some more high school tropes in there. Um, and then you have like the trope of like the, the high school with like stupid amounts of money and they're basically a college and you're like, how the fuck is this high school? Um, and it's like the super powered um, student, student council is like your rival because they're like, in politics, like the, the journalists versus the politicians. Like I just, I pulled a bunch of high school tropes, put them into a game and said, this is it. But that's how I got there. That's, that's how that happened. I basically went, I want to play Lois Lane as a high school student. She needs friends. What other nosy kids can I grab and throw into this game? And that's what I did. Like, I think I just went through, like, the, the TV Tropes page for, like, Lois Lane's character type, and then, like, every character that's also like Lois Lane, because she's the best. That is amazing. <laughs> but it ended up being, like, 30 pages of some stupidness. I was so mad. Like, I'm still a little mad. But, like, not, like, real mad mad. Just, like, my first game, it was too goddamn long. I didn't mean <laughs> to do that. But I was, like, it, I got to the point where I was, like, in it. And I was, like, well, I can't stop. And so I just kept going. But, like, it's, like, cost sunk fallacy where you keep digging yourself into the hole. And really, you should I, I could have, I should have just made it shorter as opposed to just kept going. But I kept going. And so that's how that happened. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I just want to know from that point, so you got that first publication out that you felt bullied into starting. I I wrote it for a game jam, so I wrote it in like a month. Yeah. (laughs) That's like the the wilder part. Yeah, it's 37 pages, I think, and that doesn't even count the like tape, like the charts that I had to make because I built, I wrote a bunch of charts that you could like for like character creation because that's my favorite part, obviously. Like there's a bunch of tables and charts and like dice things. I had to like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I know how this happened. I did this. I was there. I remember this. But I dug myself in and I just kept going. And I just kept going. And then it was done. And then it was great. And I went, you know what? This was fun. Let's do it again. And then that's where that's how that happened. I would love to know about like the games that you've done since then. So I guess let's start with how would you describe the games that you have? And then I would also love to go into the timeline like, okay, you did that first one. You thought it was awesome. And then you're like, let's do this again. So yeah, walk me through that. For me, the games I make, I, I, I say that I make niche storytelling games for people who live in it. Like, I make niche games for niche people within a smaller niche. Like, it's a very specific sub to the people. Like, it's tabletop game people, but within that, people who like journalism and news stories and like Scooby-Doo and Lois Lane, within that, who also like playing like teenage tropes. Like, it's, a, like it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an inception level of niching happening there. And then, so, like, my next game, I want to say... I can't remember the order in which this happened because it happened like very quickly. I am a child of the internet and I don't know if people on the internet, I mean, I know people on the internet still remember because we just talked about it yesterday, but live journal role-playing communities where like there'd be like a community forum and it'd be like a character journal and all that stuff. I have been on the bring live journal back like rant for, since strike through happened basically. Since everyone left for Tumblr, I'm like, no, this was a mistake. Can we please go back? So I wanted to make a game that basically like reminisced about that specific thing, but I couldn't figure out like how I wanted to make it. Like I, I couldn't figure out like a, I knew the format of the game that I wanted and the sort of like structure for rules of what I wanted, but I couldn't think of like a narrative thing to do it. And then someone on Twitter who I will find, I have a tweet like linked somewhere just in case 
I know they're usually like it's like sure wiki, which is like medical girls and medical girls and neck pilots in anime are basically the reverse of the same trope. And I went, you know what? That tracks. Because you think about it, you're a teenager, generally speaking, underprepared for whatever this thing is about to happen. Someone comes into your life or something happens in your life. You're gifted with, in one case, magical powers, in the other case, a giant robot, and said, go save the world. And you get no thanks, no therapy, nothing. It's just like, good luck. I believe in you, kid. And generally speaking, a lot of them end up dead. And then they come back to life because of the power of love or of modern medicine. But like, I was like, yeah, no. So I made a game called Magical Girls in Mecca, which is you play a magical girl who was gifted a giant robot via a gotcha game. And you have you accidentally open a portal to a world full of, I don't want to say aliens, but they're other beings that accidentally like eating everything in the universe. And someone a long time ago in the lore of this game, closed, like locked them behind a door. And when you, when you, the character of the magical girl, get your gotcha thing it's actually a key and when you open the door or you can use the key to open something to get your mech it also opens the door to the things that eat everything so now you're responsible for like putting them back where they came so that's that magical girls in mech it, it takes the like the parts that make magical girl anime and the parts that are like met ma- oh, giant robot politics things and i went now kiss <laughs> and then i went and now do it via text on discord because i can't make people go back to live journal but I, I actually somewhere in the world have like like notes about how to run it on live journal if you wanted to. Like Discord, live journal works better in my opinion for this type for what I was thinking originally, because it's a play by post game, so you can like go away and come back. Where Discord is like a little more immediate. So I tried to figure out how to like integrate Discord and like Google Docs to like have like the play by post part. Because like in the adventure for magical girls in mecca specifically you are a magical girl traveling to through the door to go fight this bad thing and so you're sending letters back to home while also interacting with people that you're on this trip with surprisingly there's not a lot of dice rolling in this game it's a lot of character creation and talking about your feelings and being trapped in space i don't know how that happened actually <laughs> it sounds amazing <laughs> like it, it like it's a lot it's i'm like no no i promised you just imagine this you're a 15-year-old girl, you accidentally open the door to a minor plane of hell full of hungry things that want to eat everything, and now you're being told by the government. So since you did that, go fix that. But here's a robot. Good luck. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And then that kind of expanded out into more things and related to that game. I'm working on a more traditional style dice rolling game, but somehow became a board game because there's a board involved with hex tiles and Neo City Chronicles is a whole it's like the same universe as Magical Girls in Mecca um, just set in like a magical city that's fake New York like it's like every like what's that movie Big Hero 6 really they, they took they took San Francisco and Japan and Tokyo and shoved them into a, a fake city I just took New York and like Atlanta and LA and shoved them into a city and said this is what I need you have all the things that I need and I made it a board, and I said, okay, now they're magical girls and giant robots, and these doors that pop out, out of nothing to eat everything in their way. I guess the next the next other thing that I did was this game called Is Dangerous to Go Alone? Take This, which is what it says on the tin, but also not what you're thinking at all. It's a GM plus one or more player game in which you are specifically, I designed it to be played at a convention, but you don't have to be at a convention, but it's basically you 
hard adventurer who is washed up on shore in a location. Your GM is a villager who finds you and hands you some stuff from their bag right then and there and says, these are the tools for your adventure. Good luck. And so I wrote it with the intent of making fun of Zelda because that just that's how that works. But recently, someone ran it where you play in the Animal Crossing universe when New Horizons had just come out, where you basically wash up on the island in New Horizons and Tom Nook hands you a shovel and says, go build your house. That sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, so like it really works. Like any, like it ha- it's not a setting. It's so much as I said, a general set of rules, and they're very loose rules. Literally, the GM only has what is currently in their bag or whatever is around them if they're in their house. Like you can't pre-prep and bring things in. Like you can't like go. I'm gonna go find a sword, or I'm gonna go like no, no, no. It's like literally, I'm sitting at my desk. Here is a fountain pen and a, and three exacto knives. Go save the world. So it's like a combination of MacGyver and, like, Zelda. And you just kind of, like, go for it. And then I just made a bunch of, like, one-page games after that with every terrible idea that ever passed through my head because I couldn't justify making longer games. So I gave myself boundaries and rules and said, I'm not going to make them big. They have to fit on one B6 size piece of paper, which was a mistake. I should have said A5 size because at least I would have been half letter. But it's too late to go back now. I'm, like, 15 games deep. So have the majority of your recent ones been these one-pagers? Yeah, majority of the games that I've put out um, in terms of like, TTRPGs have been the one-pagers because I can write them in like maybe a day or two. I'll get someone else to read them to make sure, yes, this makes sense. And yes, this is not a, the exact same thing as the other game you just wrote, but like reskinned. Um, because that happens sometimes. I was like, wait a second, I feel like these rules are familiar. It's like, oh wait, I just reskinned the thing that I just wrote yesterday. But like with Mafia... I have a couple longer ones, but the longer ones that I work on, they take obviously a longer to do. Uh, and then I do the thing where I'm too deep into stop and I keep digging myself into this hole when I really should just quit and walk away. Like I should just delete the pages of the things that don't make sense as opposed to trying to make them make sense. I'm very much the person who has a round hole, a square peg, and rather than just put it in a different hole, I go find like a whittling tool to make it fit. And somehow I end up with a spear, not even a cylinder. <laughs> I did too much. I did too much. A cylinder would have worked, but no, no, I have to make it a perfect spear. It has to be polished and shiny. It's like, it was just a cylinder would have worked. I'm also a fountain of useless metaphors. I am not going to apologize for that. I love it. Don't ever apologize for that. Because <laughs> they're great. They're all really great. Well, most of them are great. Some of them are like shameful, but I still love them anyway. <laughs> I do have a question. I know that you've got some visual novels, and just in case any of our listeners aren't super familiar, can you go over what's different about a visual novel than a more standard TTRPG or micro TTRPG? So visual novels are, first off, digital for the most part. I mean, I guess technically you could write a visual novel and it'd just be a choose-your-own-adventure book. Don't sue me, choose-your-own-adventure people. I don't know how to pick a word to describe what that is in which you play as either the protagonist of a story and you are interacting with characters and the world around you is in this story, choosing varying branching paths to get to like various different endings. Or you play as a character in the universe who is like not a self-insert character, but like a predetermined character. So it's like the difference between playing, for example... So most games, almost every game that has any sort of like dialogue options is... At the skin of things, I choose your own adventure novel. Like Dragon Age, choose your own adventure novel with combat. 
because it has a branching narrative path that when you, when you create a character, the choices you made influence the things around you based on like things in the background, usually like different kinds of like weird point systems. If you do this, it like balances you this way. If you do that, it balances you that way. And then that tells if this, then that rules weird coding shit, not going to get into it. But also it has combat, which is what people think of when they think of like games like Dragon Age or Mass Effect. But really it's just a branching narrative where you just go from combat scene to combat scene between talking about things with people and like talking to people about things. So visual novels just like get rid of the combat part. Like we don't need that. Some of them have it, mind you. Some of them have like point and click things or like mystery puzzle things. Um, but there are some like other game mechanics within the format, but like at their base, they are literally English like well, visual novels. Cool. So I guess like what was your like was there anything that inspired you to kind of explore those types of games? So it was really funny. It was because, again, back to the I like telling weird stories with people. I was just like, I need you to do this thing. So I started, like, I just need you to pick the choices that I think are the better choices. And I want to give you the illusion of choice by having, like, branching narrative, but really, the, no, the choices you made lead to the bad ending. But, like, imagine, like, if you took a, like, it's happened. Like, um, there have been, like, D&D games that have been remade into, like, movies, like Lord of the Rings. It's basically just a D&D party that's gone too far. What's the other one? Someone always makes a joke about the Princess Bride is basically what a D&D game would be like if you just let your players do whatever you want. Because, yes, my father was killed by a guy with six fingers, and I'm going to get my revenge on him by following him. Oh, yeah, I joined some pirates and shit. Like, what the hell? Why did yeah, you even yeah. let you do that? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so basically, I took, like, I had ideas for, like, types of games I wanted to make, but I didn't want to give players... Like, I didn't want anyone to play it. I wanted to play it myself, basically. But I also wanted, like, to make different choices while I was playing that thing. And like I said earlier, a lot of the things I end up making is because I'm looking for something else, and no one's done it. So I just think, damn it, I'm going to do it myself. And so I do it myself. <laughs> because, like, the first both tabletop game I started making was actually a very 4E-inspired game in terms of, like, the way D&D 4th Adventure plays like a video game like a turn-based tactics video game and i went you know what i just want to make a turn-based tactics game like but i don't want the combat part of that like i don't want to figure out the combat part of it i just want the narrative part of like a final fantasy game like i want just the story bits none of the combat like i just want to like say the combat happened i don't care like i know you're gonna win you're the main character of the story like what the hell why are we pretending that anything different is gonna happen Unless it's for a narrative reason in which we need to kill off the love interest because dead girlfriend trope. So that's how that's how I ended up in visual novels. Was basically I wanted to I wanted to play a very specific game, but like I needed more players, but I also didn't want to play with anyone. So I needed to, myself to play all the roles. And since I was already doing like all the like branching narratives of people making different choices, I'm like, fuck it, I might as well just make a goddamn game. So I did. But then that game never went anywhere because it got wildly out of hand. It's like it was a nightmare. Like I was, the, it was the first thing I ever tried to make on my own. I definitely, like, it still exists. Like, I still have the file where it exists. But I look at it and like I get overwhelmed and say, you know what? Future me problem. Let's go <laughs> try something smaller. So then I started making smaller visual novels. One of which is basically a non-romantic slice of life game, which is like not. It's it's like I took a trope of a young millennial who is trying their best. I took the manic pixie girl whatever that thing is called that the manic pixie dream girl yeah, yeah i took that and went but what if there's no guy and no romance 
and she just lost her goddamn bag and she just wants her bag back like she doesn't want like she like so you know in that in that genre like she'll lose her bag and then the guy will find it and then they'll meet and they'll be like wild they'll have all these quirky good things happening in their life and fall in love and it'll be great or she'll learn something from her and they'll part ways and the really poor even though she's like the main she's the person doing all those things she's the person who changes therefore the main character of the story i was like what if we just don't do that but like everything else around that and so I made uh, this game called Hurricane Like Me, where the main character is basically trying her best. She does not have time for this boy. She just wants her bag back because she does not have time to redo all of this work and have like this grand adventure with this barely employed like guy that has her back. I just want my stuff back. I don't want to. I don't want to go on an adventure with you. I don't want to like follow you to a cafe type. Like I don't want to do any of those things. <laughs> I want to go on with my life. <laughs> So I took that, again, that was like me taking random tropes and being like, I want to tell the story from two different points of view, which ended up being four different points of view. So, so imagine like four players in a like modern setting and they're all doing, they all have like, they all been told different things about the plot of the story. They're all in the same story though. And you as the GM are like telling them, like you're saying the same thing to all of them, but because they all have different ideas of the plot in their head, they all make wildly different choices. And I just, I made a game. <laughs> That sounds awesome. I mean, yeah. Thank you. I'm pro- I, like, I, like, it's not done. It's like it's the thing that I'm constantly working on. It's like yes, that's what I, I like. That's how I ended up making. That's how I got individual novels. Is I was like, I want to play all the roles, but also I want to make wildly different choices. But I don't want to ask other people for their opinion about the choices that they make because I want to play all the roles. But here, since I'm doing all this work, I'm gonna share it with you because I'm generous like that. Here's my gift to the world: my art. Amazing. Hey, entrepreneurs! I love introducing you to new creators every episode, but I could really use your support. I would love to invite you to join our Patreon page, where you'll gain access to behind-the-scenes content, add your questions to upcoming interviews, and you could even receive a shout-out on our site in an upcoming episode. To learn more, go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. And now, back to the show. So I want to know, since you've been doing a lot of one pagers, like, I just, I want to know what goes into that process because, well, the end result looks like, oh, it's going to be this simple game. It's like, I know that it is not simple to get all of the things that you need onto one page. So, no, so what happened? So for most of my one page games, what happens, I can't even go find the document because I have it open forever in my life. I can just stare at it all the time. I have an idea. I have like a passing thought. Like, so for It's Dangerous to Go Alone, it was, I want a game where you wake up on a beach and someone hands you a sword and says, go save the world. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, that's, like that, was, that was literally, I was like, how do I make that happen? And then I do the thing where um, I am pop punk till I die. I'm going to put that out there. And I have a bad habit of like having like Panic at the Disco like lyrics, Panic at the Disco like names of songs pop up into my head, but they don't exist. And I went... That's a song title. Now, what's the song about? Okay, let's make a game. Like, I have one that's called If We Don't Talk Again, Remember That I Love You, which hurts me. I made a playlist for I made an actual playlist for this game. And it hurts me physically every time I look at it. It's so sad. But it's a single-page solo game where you are writing to a person that exists in the real, like, a real person in the world where you're leaving. Like, you're going on a one- you're going on a one-directional trip somewhere, and you are te- you're making up a story about the person that you're leaving and like the shared things that you have with this person it's like it's a game but like it's the game that hurts it's really like fictionalized therapy 
it's like when you go to therapy and they say, okay, we're going to play a game, but it's not really a game. It's really dealing with your trauma. It's like that. But like gentle and fictionalized because really we all do it and we shouldn't. But that's how, that's literally how most of my games come up. I have like a thought in my head and I go, okay, I now need to put this thought into something else because it can't just sit here in my head. And I try to like, I flesh out the idea from that and I go, okay, to get this thing to happen, how do I do this? Or, what, or rather, to get this to happen, what do I, what, what, what are the rules to get this to happen? So like in TV shows, good ones go on for a long time that have lots of writers coming and going on the show. They have a thing called series Bible, which sets down the ground rules for like the characters and how they act and how they behave in the world that they exist in. And so I take a thing and I make a series Bible for lack of better term for these are the rules to get, these are the rules that exist in this universe. How do I get the, how do I make this universe exist within the bounds of these rules? So like I have a game that's basically, I was like, I want to play fashion and furious. I want to play fashion and furious, the role playing game. But like not about the, the, the skilling, not about the like modern Fast and Furious. Like I stopped watching after like seven. Sorry, everyone who knows me, who knows I love Fast and the Furious. I just it hurts a lot. I cry every time, deeply, deeply. But I wanted to play a game because like the actual core of Fast and the Furious, the original set of movies, was family and the things you'll do for family. And so I was just like, okay, so within the, within the bounds of these game. Basically, it's like within Fast and Furious, the rules, the rules of the universe is no matter what you, whatever, no matter what happens, you never leave family behind. Basically, like you'll do anything to save and help your family, even when you think they're making poor life choices, like jacking at trucks for DVD players in the nineties. Whatever, it's fine. I'm not going to turn you into the cops, even though I'm going to be a goddamn doctor. What's the worst that could happen? So then I made a game based on that. Like it's like the rule is. You are a player. This is your family. Someone in your family has made a poor life choice. How do you help them get out of the situation? What what is what is the line of sand for where you don't help your family, but really that's not an option. Like that's like that's not an option. That 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 would be involved losing this fictional game if you could lose a game that has no prize. And I like, took some rules from uh, Blaze in the Dark and said. Let's figure out, like, when you roll the dice, the dice will tell you whether you're successful or not. How did you, like, it doesn't tell you what you did to be successful or not. It tells you if you are, did you succeed or did you fail? And by how much did you succeed or fail? And then you just tell a story around whatever the randomization chart of a D20 is. Someone else could do the math, but I don't ever do the math for that. I'm sure someone has. <laughs> like, the probability of a, on a D20, like, of you getting within these ranges of numbers. I literally just took the numbers from, I think, another game. It was like, okay. Someone else did the math. Thanks. That's how. I, that's literally how I make. That's how games happen. I, I come up with a rule and I like go. Okay. I come up with a story and then go. Where's the rule? Or I come up with a rule and go. What's the story? Yeah, I know it's not simple, but it's like, oh yeah, great. It's not simple. I know it's not. because like I said earlier, I have a try. Like, I sometimes I have thoughts. Like everyone does it. First off, I firm, I firmly believe, and someone else said it better than me. And I'm mad. I can't remember how they said it. But basically, there's no such thing as an original plot all plots are everyone's no one's come up with an original plot ever what it is is a story that you tell around that plot so like sometimes i have the same idea of a plot but i have to or i have the same idea and i realize it's the same plot as something else i've already done and or sorry i'm saying this wrong sometimes i come up with an idea for a story but i realize that the story that i'm trying to tell is the same as a plot point that i've already made so i have to like not do the same thing again it's like Here's a perfect example, again, using Sailor Moon, or Magical Girls in this case. Sailor Moon and Harry Potter, same plot. 
like if you look at it, if you like, if you take out all the story, but like there is the same plot. It's a teenager or in his. Well, actually, no, she's an elementary school kid, I think, in the original series or something like that. But you have a small child who doesn't know anything about their history, their family, or anything else prior to this moment. They get introduced to this world where like they're an important person. In Harry's case, it's Savior of the Wizarding Universe. In Sailor Moon, it's being a Sailor Scout originally, later on being Princess Serenity. But like you're expected to like save the world and in the beginning it's kind of chill it's like it's not so bad you meet some friends it's kind of great and you love it and then it gets fucking serious where a someone dies in harry potter's case it's cedric diggory and sailor moon it's prince darian getting kidnapped by queen barrel in the first season and then having to sacrifice their lives to save earth or in harry's case die at the wand of Voldemort. like same plot so like i have thoughts that are the same plot and i have to recognize i have to basically separate the plot from the story and then i make rules around the around the plot like i can't i'm not telling a story i'm giving you a plot point and you're you are the players and the gm are telling the story makes perfect sense okay i want to switch gears a little bit because i know that you've got some projects that you're currently working on Mm -hmm. so tell me about working on version two and a half for your original game out the door I published or put out Hot Off the Press originally for Tropes Jam. And, like, because it was for Tropes Jam, it was kind of, like, I don't want to say rushed, but, like, I did, I personally spell-checked it. And if anyone knows me in real life, or on the internet even, English and I have a contentious relationship in which I regularly threaten to, like, build a time machine to go fist-bite the Anglo-Saxons for cursing us with this goddamn language. Like, why? Why? It, what, 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 what's the point of the rules that you stole from other people that you didn't even implement properly? Like, I don't like you. So me spell-checking my own work, not great, but, like, it's passable. So then a year later, um, because I couldn't look at it for a very long time, I went back and I got a little more heavy-handed and, like, rearranged some things and, like, made it flow slightly better. But again, that was me checking my own work. And the problem with me personally checking my own work, and I don't know if anyone else suffers from this, is I will fix things in my head and not in paper. It's also why I can't playtest my own games because I will fix the things that I think are wrong with the system as opposed to like writing and like making a note about why I need to fix this thing. So if someone else gives me the feedback, I'm like, okay, this this is the problem you had with my thing. I can fix that. Basically, I, I, I like patch things in like as I'm playing so I can't play test my own stuff. And so I got someone, Nick Draconic, to like do a full grammar English check and then like a like game flow check for like game development and design notes and topics. But then COVID happened and I didn't feel like looking at it. So I had this like document that's like full of these notes and full of these commentaries and full of these changes that need to be made that I was supposed to put out. I was supposed to work on from like, I want to say like March and put out in the summer, but then COVID happened in March. And I went, never mind. And then summer happened, and I went, shit, time has gone by. And so I'm basically, since the COVID seems to not be ending, and it's just becoming the status quo, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I should rearrange my, my, myself and like settle in and do this thing because I have all these notes, and I do want to make these changes, and I do want to make a better version of this game that is less straight out of my head 2.0 and more like, this is a game. So that's that. So that'll hopefully, I'm working on it now. And I'm hoping to have it done um, by the new year. And so this will be version 2.5. And then version 3.0 will eventually be like pretty layout and stuff like that. But that's like future me needs money to pay someone to do a layout or to learn how to do layout myself and do it myself one way or the other. Cool. And then you are working on a solo year long TTRPG? 
Yeah. Oh, I, I love that project. It's so great. <laughs> I love it so much. It's my favorite thing. It is called Ascent of Crystal Tower. Or technically, it's the Ascent of Crystal Tower. And so, basically, there was two Kickstarters that happened this year. One is called Quest Calendar. Um, but it's basically, it's a calendar. It's like one of those rip-the-page-off calendars where each day is a different quest, basically. But you're playing the same character through all the quests. Like Each quest exists on this one page in this one day, but you're playing the same character for the entire year. But I'm pretty, I'm like 90% sure the quests aren't linked together. Except for you having the same character, they are not linked together beyond like maybe like three days in a row. And I was like, but what if I did one for the entire year? Because that's how, like, if you play like a TTRPG, it's not like, you don't go through a quest line and like, a week you're doing like you're like doing it for like a year or two years or something and you're like crap how did i spend all this time like going to fight like, take this kid home like i mean it was, it, was, it was an escort mission why is this taking forever oh because all these other things happened along the way so i took that idea and then someone else had done a another kickstarter called paper dungeon i want to say no it's not called paper dungeon dungeon something but it's basically a bunch of randomly generated dungeons that are like one off they're like they're literally like randomly generated dungeons where you create, a, like, you just go through the dungeon and, like, defeat the monsters and that's it. And I was like, what if I put those two things in the same room and said, now kiss? And so Ascension Crystal Tower became a thing. And would you play an adventurer where I took one of my favorite tropes, the fantasy in Japan is called Isekai, where you are an outsider coming into a fantasy universe and you now live in D&D or in like Sword Art Online you're now living in this video game or like ReZero you're like a regular kid who gets hit by a boss and dies and ends up in the fan of the universe and you're in love with the princess like I took that trope and said you you yourself you yourself as a person are going to end up in this universe in which you are going to play a character traversing this dungeon because you think this, this dungeon within the universe is told to grant you one wish and your one wish in theory should be to go back home and kind of sort of like a year-long becoming a person like becoming a different person type thing because in the beginning you're probably going to want to go home but in the end you're like no either i like this place i live or like no i want to go home because this this art's growing as a person change blah 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 new year new me yeah, this sounds super fun. And so is the hope that it'll be available for playtesting around yes. the first of the year? I'm playtesting it in stages. So I'm figuring out first off, mechanically, does this work? Because like narratively, I can like do what I want. Like I, the story isn't the, the story. The story itself isn't the problem. I need to make sure the mechanics of going through a years long thing works. Because I'm a horrible, horrible human being who decided to design their own system. Mostly because I wanted to do things and I didn't like, I couldn't find a system that I liked to do the thing that I wanted. So I was like, I'll just do it myself. And so I need to make sure the mechanics work because unlike my other games, there's, there is like dice rolling. There are like monster stat blocks. There's like, it needs to work. Um, so I'm place testing the mechanics and then I'm place testing like chunks of the story. Like, Hey, here are the mechanics for this bit. Go run like these four days worth of game. Or so like in January, I'll be running like a larger, like hopefully here is an entire month worth of a game. Does it work for a month? 
and that'll probably be like all of quarter one. I hope to start play. T- I'll get people. I'll hope to get people in January. Give them like basically twenty eight days of February to do it, and I'll spend like the month of March going through it and like getting feedback from everyone, and then quarter two will be me implementing that feedback to then do it again in quarter three to then hopefully be done by quarter four to then do it in 2023 what year did i write this one yes goal 2023 okay it's a really interesting process and how involved and long it's gonna have to be but it makes sense when you think about the scope of playing the game itself one of the things that happen, like I said, when you play like a right, like a D and D or Pathfinder or like, but when you play long campaigns, they'll get to a point where, like, generally speaking, you have to homebrew something because the rules no longer work in the situation that you're in. So I need you to not, like, I you, you can't like for this for this to work. I need to have made sure the rules work in which you don't have to homebrew things for at least the year. Like you can make it through the entire year with the rules as written and it be, and it work because you're playing by yourself. So like. There's no GM to be like, okay, yes, this isn't going to break the game because you don't know what's coming. Where if you act, like your GM knows what they're going to do, so they know if you ask to do something and it'll break the game, they can stop. They can be like, no, don't do that. So because it's a solo game, I have to be the GM for everyone thinking a year in advance. Well, it's really exciting, and I definitely look forward to seeing all the news about that as you're ready to start playtesting and eventually get it out the door. So my hope is, so I stream game dev stuff on Twitch. I'm doing that again. I took off the month of last month. And by last month, I mean September, not December. And so my hope is to like go back to doing that on Twitch, working on, on Twitch and having the like live commentary, people judging me and forcing me to work because, <laughs> hey, you said you were going to do the thing. Stop like playing on your phone. I need, I need the silent judging of people watching me to do things. I've been in college and high school and literally like the entire U.S. public education. If there's no deadline and no expectation from other people for me to do the thing, it just doesn't happen. And then I'm also hoping to like do some, a chunk of those videos that I do on live stream also end up on YouTube for like future reference because I like sharing my game dev process because sometimes I'm like, I need to know how to do this thing. And I go Google it and no one's told anyone how to do this thing. And I'm like, but why, why are you being so secretive? So again, I'm just going to do it myself. I, I might be wrong, but if I'm wrong, correct me. And then you'll answer my question. So I win. Okay. So real quick, before we wrap up, I do want to make sure that I have time to ask a couple questions that I like to ask in every interview. Yes. Basically, I like to acknowledge the fact that as much as we love working in this industry, oh, there do tend to be some challenges. Yes. <laughs> so when you look back over the last several years of making all of these different games and just getting the development going of all of the varieties that you've done, what would you say has been the most challenging part? The easy answer is money, but the correct answer is time. Because I am lucky and blessed and cursed at the same time in having a job that my day job pays me relatively well, barring the insurmountable amount of student loan debt that my entire generation is saddled with. We don't talk about that. It doesn't really exist mm-hmm. because you can't believe our dead rock. So good luck, U.S. government. Uh, don't, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying U.S. government come for me. I'm just saying, like, I'm broke. Despite my job paying well, I'm st- like U.S. government. I'm still broke. So I, because my job pays well enough, I can I can actually when I'm like less broke for like two seconds, pay someone to do things. Like I paid Nick to like look through my game and make it not 
make it make it make sense in English for other people who aren't me. And I can like have someone like help me write things when I have like an idea that I can't do on my own. Or I want art. I'm like, here's money. Give me art. I love your stuff. Here's more money. Give me more art. I can do that. What I don't have is time because the time that I need, the time that I would like to dedicate to making games, I have to instead dedicate to doing my job that pays me money that I can then do to make games. Like it's this vicious cycle of I need to work because I need to pay for the game making because the game making doesn't pay for itself. I do this because I like it. Not because I, 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 I not, no one goes into game making in any form to like get rich. Like it's also why I'm not a professional writer. And I said, work in film and TV because I know writing that's like a good luck. Maybe you'll make it. Maybe you won't. Who knows? And I don't really want to take that chance. I like having things and I have cats that need to be fed. So I have a job that pays my bills and for other things. But like the most difficult part for making games for me is I'm going to say, I don't have time to do all the things that I want to do because I can't do this full time. You can't see me, but I am totally nodding along to everything that you're saying. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's just like, I just like, please, I, like, I, I'm not saying people, all these people need to pay me money to do things. I'm saying that when you, for example, like I, like I mentioned EA and the Sims, I spent a crap ton of money on the Sims playing this exact like it's the sims nothing except for getting prettier and like running on my computer slightly better except for sims 2 because that was a shit show when you got, um <laughs> actually in sims 4 that was a shit show when it came out but we still kept giving them money like when independent creators and small indie teams make games don't complain about the pricing like never don't complain about the pricing i promise you whatever we're pricing our things we have underpriced because we we don't think we can make EA money. I can't charge you $55 for a book that you're going to look at for two seconds for one rule and put on your shelf and never look at it again. Yeah. You can't see me, but I'm like making that like, I'm like gesturing to my bookshelf full of like D&D and Pathfinder books that I literally bought because I needed to know the rule for this because also Pathfinder Society, this is no, this is no shade to them or anything like that. Both Pathfinder Society and D&D Adventure League require you to physically own the book or digitally own the book for anything that you want to run in their game. So if you want to run, for example, which in Pathfinder Society, Pathfinder 1, you have to own the book that has witch in it. Like they had that the class witch in it. If you want to do anything of like the, the any of the later advancements within which it came in future books, you have to also own those books. Like I didn't buy the books I wanted. I bought the books I wanted that one goddamn spell. So when, when independent creators like on people on itch, like or Twitter or whatever, or like buy my thing, it's like ten dollars. Give them like twenty five instead. Because you know what? You spent that much money buying something else that a company that doesn't need that money. Hasbro doesn't need your money. Independent creators always underprice our things because we don't think we're worth triple A pricing when we do more work than triple A, like as a, as a company, not as a team, as a company. I do more work for my game than the company that makes a triple A game does because I am doing five people's jobs for free. Mm-hmm. Hoping someone will pay me as opposed to someone who works for a triple A game who's getting paid while they're making the thing. Like, you have a job that is paying you money to make this thing. I have a job that is not paying me money to make this thing. I'm doing this thing for free. Please give me more money that I'm asking you because I'm being nice. Like, I'm being polite and not asking for the $25 I think my thing is worth. I'm asking you for 10 because I think that's a reasonable compromise. It's the American tipping thing. What I, I mean is, Americans, I don't know if you are or not i am okay other countries don't tip they just they assume that when you work for something or someone at a, at a restaurant or food services or a nail salon you're being paid money to live 
in America, as you work in food services, they can legally pay you like $2 an hour because they expect your customer to tip you for your service. Like, I don't, like, it's a stupid system. And we as independent, we as indie creators and like most markets do the same thing. We expect, we ask for less money or we accept less money because we assume that you'll be nice and tip us. It's horrible and we all hate it, but we do it anyway. And if we all just rebelled and stopped doing it, maybe they fix the food industry. I worked in food services. I'm still mad that Georgia's minimum wage for food service workers is like two fifteen an hour. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's sh- it's bad. It's like minimum wage is bad to begin with, but like food services, like collectively worse. Mm-hmm. I do want to flip that question around though. So. Yeah, I totally hear you on having the time and the fact that it would be awesome to do it full time, but like you have to live and yeah. have money to live. And my cats would be really mad if I didn't give them food on a regular basis. Yeah. Like they would actually probably commit murder and I would be dead because they would murder me. And you know what? I wouldn't blame them. <laughs> well, when you look back over the last couple of years of, again, making all of these games and just your journey through that, what would you say has been the most rewarding part? The friends I made along the way. <laughs> no, that's it. That's, that's the answer. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 so I make, I, I joke that I only, I do this because I, I make the joke about, oh, here, here's my gift to the world, my art. No, really. That's really, like, I'm doing this because I, I love this thing and I want you to love this thing with me so we can collectively scream about how amazing it is. Like, I want us all collectively, like, paradactyl screech because we're so excited about this thing that one of our, like, one of us made all the time. I'm like constant paradoxical screeching of joy because our friends put out something cool. Yeah, I feel like I have made so many friends in this, like honestly, even just through doing this podcast where I'm like, okay, I already had a lot of games, but now I have to buy all of your games and your games and we're just so many games. It's just like, I, I, I'm happy that you're happy. I'm happy to support you doing your dream because I think what you're doing is cool. Which again, if you paid me more money, real world job, I would buy more things from people. Imani, you are a freaking delight. Thank if people you. want to find you and all of your games, where should they go? Um, so you can find all my games on my itch page. Um, it is Margaret Catter on itch.io. All of my games are on my itch page. I don't plan on moving them from itch at any point in time. If they end up anywhere else, it might be like, I don't know, like Gumroad or something, but I doubt it. Just because I don't feel like doing the back end of like selling things. The only time which my games will not will be found other places that are not itch.io or generally speaking on my coffee page because I am trying to sell a physical copy of the thing that I will mail to you. Well, cool. I will definitely make sure that I have that and the other links that you mentioned up in the show notes. But seriously, thank you so much for coming on today. This no has problem. been amazing. <laughs> like, I know. I, I, I generally speaking enjoy talking to people what about the things that I love, be it game making to TV shows to and like I just, I will. And it's been fun and I'm glad you asked me. You just finished another episode of Roll, Play, Grow. To check out the show notes from today's episode, you can go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. To keep up with every episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice. And if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love if you would leave me a review and share this episode with your friends. Your review might even get featured on an upcoming episode. To follow me on Twitter, you can either find me at LightheartADV for our business account or at KetraRPG for tweets on gaming, my dog Bowser, and other random shenanigans. 
Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next time on Role Play Grow.